Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. You know, this is this is the last Sunday in our series, Assembly Required, and it has been an awesome series. You know, about you know depth of relationship, the things that get in the way of that, the things that release it, and I think we can all continue to go to deeper levels in relationship, both with our, with each other with others and with God. There's, there's always new depths that we can go to. You know, we've been looking at some of the barriers to relational depth. We understand that relational depth is central to a fully functioning life, that relational depth creates future strength, and it brings completeness to our lives. You know, some of the barriers to relational depths that have been touched on were self-centeredness, fear of rejection, limited heart transparency, a victim mentality, disunity, and resident unforgiveness. I mean, Pastor Paul's message last week, phenomenal message. And I, I really loved how he was dealing with the area of unforgiveness at the end of it. It's such a, such a crucial aspect to going deep in relationships. Is, it's just not carrying anything, just releasing it, releasing yourself and releasing others, which is really cool. You know, the truth is relational depth understands these three things, and that is that lasting foundations require depth, that two-way investment is required, and that failure is a part of the journey. Amen. I'm, I'm a giant failure, and, I, and I'm actually thankful for a lot of those failures because they've made me a better person today. And it's, it's walking through those, not being stuck in your failure, but continuing to move forward that does see relationships grow, which is cool. So in today's message, we're going to look at what can disempower and empower relational depth. So I'm going to start by reading in Ecclesiastes 4, 8 to 12 in the NIV, and it says this, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And I was paused there for a moment because isn't that so true that we can get to a point in life where we can ask these questions of like, what am I doing with my life? What's the meaning to what I'm doing? I'm striving for all of these things. I'm striving to provide. Why? What am I doing? Does it, does it matter? Who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? Who am I doing it with? We can have these types of questions. And the pursuit of material wealth doesn't always fulfill the desires of relational need in our lives. You know, I mean, for me, I grew up with a dad who just worked all the time, and he just worked, but it was, it was to provide for the family. But we didn't have a depth of relationship, my dad and myself. Like Later on in life, I realized that he did that because he loved me. But as a young guy, I was, all I wanted was just his, his presence. I, I, all I wanted was his words of affirmation. I wanted that depth of relationship that I didn't get. And I, I have it now, but I didn't, I didn't have it then. Anyway, continuing on, it says, For whom am I toiling? He asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A, three, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So my title for the message this morning, for those that are beautiful note takers, is Who is in your corner? Who's in your corner? So I'm not going to necessarily focus on dating or marriage relationships in this message, but I do want us to consider 
the proximity of our relationships, just how close we are and the level of depth that we have with them when we're talking about today's message. Because the truth is, we all need somebody in our corner, don't we? We all need someone in our corner. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to continue on. So Holy Spirit, I just ask for revelation today. Bring things to our mind that you want us to know, that you want us to be free from. Even bring people's names to mind. If we're not in close proximity with anybody, would you prompt us with somebody today? Would you prompt us with a next step to do? Whatever that may be, if there's something that we could take away that would shape us from the inside out, reveal it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Has anyone here ever dated before? Anyone ever dated before? Anyone dating right now? Who's dating right now? Come on, throw a hand up. Who's in? A couple of shaky hands out there. <laughs> oh, are you not sure? Have you not asked? <laughs> Maybe you're dating and they're just like, we're just hanging out. <laughs> I'd clear that up, maybe. You know, maybe you haven't dated before, but you've seen it on the movies. Maybe you're a big fan of, like, The Notebook. I don't know, you know, that, that lovey-dovey phase of life. You know, it's just springers in the air. Some of you need to cast your mind back maybe 30, 40 years, what it was like to send telegrams to each other. I don't know, carry a pigeon. You know, that dating phase. I mean, like Chris and Tammy Metcalf, who, who met on the love boat, you know, Captain Stubing, put them together. I don't know. You know, Tammy, you're amazing. I know you're out in the parents now, and hopefully you can hear me. Well, she's phenomenal, isn't she? Love that woman. Makes Chris a better man. You know, and you, you say things like, oh my gosh, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking that too. It's meant to be. Oh, you love country music? So do I. I'm a huge fan. Romantic comedies, rom-coms, I love them. I would totally spend $30 to go to the movies to watch a rom-com. I mean, like, when you're dating, you're doing life with somebody at, at another level, right? It's, it's different to when you're just hanging out, to when you're just acquaintances, to when you're just friends. There's, there's roots that are starting to go down. There's a deepness starting to begin. Gone are those surface-level convos in the church foyer while you're waiting for a coffee. I mean, you see them line up for a coffee, so you're like, I feel like one too today. Okay? How are you? <laughs> so how does a relationship move forward? How does it get from being acquaintances and, and someone that you're just standing next to in a coffee line to, to going to that next step into a dating phase? How did it get from special friends to going steady? You know, I like to call it, it's like a relational dance. It's a relational dance. Like, you're, I wonder if they're keen on me. These are the thoughts going on in here. No, they couldn't like me. But wait, she looked at me. I'm all in. <laughs> oh, and you're like, oh, now he's talking to another, to another girl. Oh, she's so much prettier than me. Look at those shoes. Oh, I don't have a chance. I mean, you join the same service hosting team just to gain a closer proximity. <laughs> you can't sing, but she's in the choir, so you're auditioning at Next Steps. You just got to get in there. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize you came to this connect group. I was just searching one out. <laughs> I know what some of you are up to. But at some stage... For the relationship to go to the next level, someone has to take the first step to lay aside insecurities, to push through your fears, 
and to have a vulnerable conversation. Like, I'm not sure if you're kind of thinking the same thing. Like, you might be, but I don't know if you are. And if you're not, that's totally okay, but you could be. And I don't know if you sort of feel this way. And if you don't, that's fine. Like, if you don't, that's, you know, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really all that in either. But if you were, then I could invest my whole heart into this thing and let's get married and have kids and just get the house. And I know we've only just had one coffee, but, you know, this is meant to be. But I'm wondering if you would want to maybe, you don't have to, but maybe, do you want to go out with me? Silence. It's like the world has just slowed right down. Slow motion, every hair on the back of your neck is standing up, weighted in anticipation for the response. What's going to happen? You can barely breathe. It's out in the open. I've been vulnerable. And you get a response. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> But your heart leaps, right? Like there's, this, there's, there's, a, there's a sense of joy and excitement. Suddenly rainbows burst out and birds begin to sing and the clouds disappear and it's sunshine. That's not a good experience, obviously. I mean, I've had many of the other way and it's not ideal. But once what was a regular friendship now has an intentional purpose. But to get to that place, it took vulnerability. It took stepping out of, you know, pushing the insecurities aside and the fears aside but your position for a depth of relationship that wasn't possible before unless you took that step. You know, I think many of us, we desire to have people in our lives that we can have a deep connection with, people we can talk to about the real heart issues of life, yet we often feel disempowered to take the next step into the unknown, a step to activate intentional depth. So what disempowers our ability to have relational depth? And I think in today's society, one of the massive ones that I think of is insecurity. It's massive. You know, the thought of take, talking about our stuff to somebody else. I mean, what will they think of me? Will they judge me? Will I lose my job, my friendship? Even if you're in a marriage, you can have insecurity riddling your life because you're like, what if I tell my spouse, this is where I'm at? Will I lose my marriage? That I've done this or I've done that. What, what's going to happen? What does my future look like? Will I lose my family? Will something be affected if I'm transparent and vulnerable with my insecurities? We could be like, what, is it, what if this hurts to talk about? I don't want to go through that pain. I don't, want, I don't want to feel the pain of having to talk about this thing. We can have insecurity thoughts of, would anyone, would anyone like the real me? Would anyone love the real me? I remember thinking and contemplating my own life with the insecurities going on in my world before I was married, before Zara was in the picture. And I would honestly think, would anyone want to love this? Because I knew all this stuff on the inside. On the outside, would you look at this guy that was bubbly and fun, having a good time and laughing jokes. But there was insecurity on the inside going, I don't know if anyone would want to love this. And I don't think I would have ever stepped into a depth of relationship with anybody if I hadn't overcome the insecurity that would hold me back. You know, if we don't isolate our insecurity, it will isolate us. And that does sound like an amazing book. <laughs> but I think it's already taken. Because insecurity will disempower our ability to grow relationally. We will have stunted relational growth if we don't isolate our insecurity. 
Pastor Paul says that the second major blockage to all that God has for us, aside from the dominating power of sin, is human insecurity. I think no one, none of us here, none of us are exempt from insecurity. I mean, insecurity, it blocks, it restricts, it limits, it discourages, it justifies the lack in our lives, it doubts, it fears. I mean, insecurity, it places a stranglehold on our future. It holds us back into stepping into everything that God has for us. You know, I remember when we started live linking between campuses back in the day from our old Life Central facility at 95 Mount Eden Road, and, you know, I'd stand in the front row and then they would do this sort of wide camera pan angle. And the lights were sort of positioned up behind my head. And here's this tall, strapping, you know, handsome beast of a man with this giant ball patch on the top of his head that was illuminated more by the lights. And then I would sort of side glance up to the side screen that was showing the shot as they would go across the campuses. And all I could see was my ball patch. And I would be like, please change the camera angle. Go to a tight shot on Pastor Paul because everybody is looking at my ball patch from every campus. That's all they can see. Like, the, I'm, I'm not joking here. These were the thoughts that were going through my head. I was like, wow, look at that. <laughs> what can I do to fix that? Nothing. Oh, my gosh. And I, I would look at that and then I would feel my phone vibrate. Friends. <laughs> they call them friends. I couldn't even look at my phone because, you know, I'm like, they're going to be sending me pictures of my bald head. They're going to be asking me. And this, this was the reality of my thought pattern as a pastor in church, standing in there, front row. Not good. Insecurity. So much so, it was robbing me. It would cause me to isolate, to push, push people away. I didn't want to look at my phone. Because what happens if there was like 10 texts from people saying, hey, I can see your bald spot. Why did I suddenly think everyone was even looking at me? There's probably no one even thinking about me. They're probably all listening to Pastor Paul. Well, I hope they were. <laughs> but insecurity, it seeks to disempower. It seeks to keep us bound and isolated. You know, when we live with insecurity, it causes us to drift from relationships that matter most. You know, in today's society, we spend so much time behind a screen. You know, we, we project what we want our lives to look like. It looks like this. Everything's all together. It's awesome. We can chuck things out there. We can put our thoughts and opinions out there. We're happy for others to see the good things and what we think, but not the internal things. Not what's really going on on the inside. You know, as much as we are probably the most connected generation that has ever been, we are potentially the most disconnected with what really matters most. You know, young people today, they won't even answer a phone call or a text. They don't even know what email is. Like you have to jump on their social media and slide into their DMs to even get some sort of response. I mean, they don't even know how to have a healthy face-to-face -face conversation. Make think of conversations online, but then they see somebody in church and it's like that never exists. And then you maybe you're like your mum, the older generation, and now they're all about Facebook. <laughs> I was like, mum, that was ages ago. <laughs> I'm so be offended if you're into Facebook. 
power to you. <laughs> but some of us have moved on. Sorry, Ollie. And Twitter, same deal. Opinions get put out there without healthy dialogue, hiding behind the screen, keyboard relationships, keyboard warriors, but no real depth. No real depth to relationship. You know, if we continue to allow insecurity to take up residence in our lives and allow isolation to root itself in our behavior, then we'll never have relational depth that God has designed us for. So I wonder what empowers relational depth. If if insecurity disempowers it, I wonder what empowers it. You know, for me, one of the keys to overcoming the insecurities in my life has been the ability to be vulnerable. Oh, no one really, honestly, really likes vulnerability, right? Give me a hand up if you love it. Like, yeah. Oh, two people. Man, you're amazing. Whoever these people are, you should be group leaders. Like, we should all go to your group and be the most vulnerable group out there. But I, I'm not a big fan because I know what's attached to it. You kind of have to talk about, like, your stuff. The, the real things, the, the things that actually matter most to your personal freedom and moving forward. You know, to talk about the things beneath my surface that have restricted and bound me, it took vulnerability. But you tell me if any of these things would be easy to talk about, being sexually abused as a young boy by your granddad, the drug and alcohol abuse that I lived with, the pornography habits, the ones that I even had to sit down with my wife and tell her that I had, fears, failures, inability to love and be loved, to, to actually sit down and talk about that with someone that... I actually don't know what it is to love somebody and I don't know how to feel love. Like, that's a hard conversation to have. Infertility. When I went through my infertility challenges, that is a hard conversation to have. Rejection. Having to talk about all these different moments of the rejection in my life. Rejection of not knowing my real birth dad until I was 18. Rejection from relationships and pastors and church and all sorts of things having to have those vulnerable, none of those are easy to talk about. But if I wasn't vulnerable and talked about them, would I ever be in this continual journey of freedom in my life? That I could actually stand before a group of people like this and talk about these things and it'd be fine. It's like I'm talking about somebody else, to be honest. I didn't didn't actually write this down, but someone in here, when when forgiveness was being talked about last week, you were like, I, I can't, I couldn't forgive this person. I, just, I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too big. I don't know who you are, but I just feel like God wants to free you today. And, and the reason why I say that is because a couple of weeks ago, I went down to a RISE conference and I flew down early and I actually got to, to go up to the, to the Kapiti Coast, and I got to sit with my granddad who sexually abused me. And I hadn't seen him in over 20 years. I'd, I'd called him, talked to him, told him he was forgiven, and all that stuff, but I'd never had a face-to-face. And I just felt this prompting, this urgency of the Holy Spirit that I just had to go and sit with him. Now, the thing that got me the most was not having an ounce of anxiety, not having an ounce of fear, of worry. I just knocked on the door, opened the door, he went to give me a handshake, and I'm like, come here. 20 plus years, haven't seen him in over 20 years. Felt absolutely no ounce of pain or hurt or anything. There is power 
in forgiveness. Whoever you are, let it go. Before you walk out of here today, give it to God. You may not be able to have that conversation with somebody, but you can sure let it go and allow God, the Holy Spirit, into your journey. Whoever you are, you need to be free. And God's just knocking on your heart saying, come on, just give it to me. You're like, how do I do that? You're like, how do I do that? You can have an internal conversation. Say, God, I let it go. I forgive. I choose to forgive. You know, vulnerability is a risk we have to take if we're going to experience true relational depth. It is a risk. It's a risk to be vulnerable with what's really going on the inside. But the risk is worth the reward. When was the last time you were truly vulnerable with somebody? Like truly vulnerable, not talking around it. Like I'm going to be vulnerable here, but you kind of just go around the deeper issue. Hey, some people know what I'm talking about. We're really good at saying we're vulnerable and just, just slightly talking around it with our mentor or our group leader or our spouse or our friend. But you know that you kind of just got to actually go to that place and really talk about your heart challenge. Take the risk. Because if you don't, you, you won't fully be free. You, you won't. It'll keep you bound and restricted. The insecurity holding you back from talking about it, it'll keep you bound. Do you have someone that you can be vulnerable with? To speak openly about the highs and the lows, to walk through the valleys and stand on the mountaintops with you. Do you have that sort of person in your life? Brene Brown says this, that if you trade your authenticity for safety, you may experience the following. Anxiety, depression, eating disorders, addiction, rage, blame, resentment, and inexplicable grief. So being vulnerable is our ability to be authentic with who we are. Like, this is who I am. This is what I'm carrying. Not projecting what we want other people to think is going on. You walk into church, how are you? Good. Good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, and there's all this stuff on the inside. We've got to have relational depth. We can't play it safe. We're going to have to take a risk with somebody, with the right person, a spirit-led person that can speak faith, freedom, love, hope into your situation. Some of us, this isn't an attack on you, but some of us, we're just going sideways with our conversations to people that actually can't help us. We actually need to find somebody spirit-led that isn't just going to justify where we're at and just go, yeah, nah, yeah, totally, I feel the same, but they're actually going to bring some help and some hope to your situation, get you moving forward. You know, we're all going to have our battles to face, our situations to overcome. Honestly, life kind of throws all sorts of things our way. But the question is, are we facing them alone? Like it said in Ecclesiastes 4.10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And in 2 Samuel, it speaks of an agreement between Joab and Abishai. And it says in, in 10 verse 11, Joab said, If the Armenians are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to your rescue. You know, if we're alone, the challenges of today can defeat us. But there is strength when we are together. When we're connected with somebody an agreement with somebody that we're there for each other, there is strength when the battle comes, when the opposition comes. You know, in John 15, 13, it says, no one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his own life for his friends. 
Do you have someone in your life that will go into battle with you that would, that would lay themselves down for you? That when you feel like giving up, they're telling you, stay in the fight. Don't walk out. Don't walk out on that job. Don't walk out on your family situation. Don't give up hope on your son that is away from Jesus. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. And in, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Who is carrying your burdens? Who, are you have, who do you have a depth of relationship with? Who is in your corner that can carry your burdens with you? You know, a number of years ago, I found myself in a pretty dark place. And, you know, the realities of not meeting my birth father until I, I was 18, that was actually beginning to have an outworking in my life. I seriously felt like there was, there was honestly like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. But I had to talk about my hurt and I had to talk about my pain and I had to have a tough conversation and tell my wife where I was exactly at. None of that was easy to do. Anxiety hit me like I literally had anxiety attacks that crippled me. People would say, did you have a big tough day in the gym? And I'd say, yeah. But I was having anxiety attacks that were like crippling my muscles. Insecurities flooded my life. Fear bound me. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know where I'm going. Like this is, it was just an absolute utter mess. But because I had a mentor in my life, I wasn't alone. I was picked up. I was carried. I was loved. I was encouraged. You know, something that was identified in that is that I was lonely. And I'm not, I wasn't talking about in regards to my marriage relationship, but I was talking about guy mates. But you think, like, here's a youth pastor, surely lots of friends and all that bouncing around. But I had lots of acquaintances, but no depth of relationship. And on the surface level is where everything stayed. And I didn't have someone on a week-to-week basis that I could share the load with, talk about this stuff. And so it all came to a front, and I was encouraged to contemplate sort of who was already in my life that I was kind of already having these sort of conversations with that, like asking somebody to be my girlfriend, I I could take that vulnerable step, that risk, and push past those insecurities and activate a depth of relationship with somebody to have somebody in my corner. Someone that understood my ministry life, someone that understood marriage and kids and and that sort of thing and, and where we were going. And for me, Matt Linton, the amazing Matt Linton came to mind. We were already sort of having those chats and, and doing life in the same way. And, but I had to take the first step. I mean, like, what was I like? I'm in, I was in my 30s, early 30s, and I just felt like a little boy. I remember I sent this text, and I was like, hey, bro, um, you know, not sure if you sort of have this thing in your life. Maybe you do, and if you do, that's totally cool. And if you don't want to do this, that's fine. But I was thinking like it would be really good if we could maybe, if you were keen, would you be willing to sort of do life at this level? And he was like, man, I was thinking the same thing. Like I really need that sort of thing too. And, and there was this connection, a spirit-led connection. And three and a half years on, him, myself, and Simon Manners, we, we have 6.30 a.m. coffees pretty much every Tuesday morning for the last three and a half years to just talk about life, the stuff. And for me, that's like this, putting up a wall of security when the enemy tries to come at any one of us. We're there for each other. But do you have that? I've got people in my corner. Who's in your corner? Who's in your corner at that level? But when, I, you know, when I've got that, when I have that, team, why don't you come up and join me? When you've got those people in your corner, I mean, you kind of feel like Rocky, you know? Like even Rocky wasn't alone. 
Rocky had Mickey the trainer ringside. We all need our Mickey. We all need someone on the ringside when we're taking the hits, taking the punches, they're saying, come on, get up. Go another round. Go again. Victory is ahead of you. You've got this in you. You can do it. But I wonder who is in your corner. In Matthew Henry, in his commentary on Ecclesiastes 4.12, he says that two together is compared to a threefold core because when two are closely joined in holy love and fellowship, Christ will be by his spirit within it. He will make the third. Just as he joined himself to the two disciples going to Emmaus in Luke 24, 13 to 15. So when Jesus joins himself to us, there is power. There is breakthrough power in it. That when we have a spirit-led connection to go deep with somebody, Christ is in the midst of it. An unbreakable bond that when things come your way, there is a strength, a supernatural strength, not just a natural one, a supernatural strength to your relationships. But are you facing your today alone? Do you have insecurity disempowering you? Even Jesus himself, he didn't do life alone. He invited people to follow him to do life with. He wasn't a lone ranger. He modeled the need to do life with others. The reality is we don't just need great people in our corner. We need Jesus in our corner. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.